Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. Holy smokes, it's August 1st. Welcome into Sports Scene, ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. I'm Steve Russell. Time to eat some lunch and talk some sports. Miss Bree is going to produce our broadcast today. Um, a lot of different things to talk about. The Major League Baseball trading deadline came and went, and boy, it looked like it wasn't going to be a whole lot. And then Zach Greinke goes to the Astros. If the Astros... First of all, give their front office credit for going for it. They gave up some good prospects, but they didn't give up their top prospects. And if that pitching rotation stays intact, boy, they are the, at least in my opinion now, the World Series favorites. What a big trade. The Dodger fans and the Yankee fans on Twitter today are going nuts. Nuts in a negative way. Brian Cashman did nothing as the Yankee uh, GM to make any moves. Same with the Dodgers. The Dodgers, their problem is they won 100 games, but they can't win a World Series. And their bullpen is bad, and the Yankee starters have been bad. Uh, if everything goes according to Hoyle today, pro football focus senior analyst Austin Gale is going to join us here momentarily. Gator great Nat Moore, also hopefully on the show today to talk about a wide variety of things, uh, the passing of former teammate Nick Bonacani, um, and then a bit about Miami, Florida. Um, and then this is uh, a maybe, but we're hoping, the Pro Football Hall of Fame inducts its new members tonight, I'm sorry, this weekend, and uh, the Hall of Fame game is tonight. One of the guys going in is a guy named Johnny Robinson. And I remember him. Uh, number one, he was an LSU grad. Uh, and those Chiefs teams of Hank Stram have had a lot of guys go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Len Dawson, Buck Buchanan, and Willie Lanier, the linebacker, he hopefully is going to join us to talk about uh, Johnny Robinson, and uh, just about the Hall of Fame in general. Tomorrow on the show, some dude named Urban Meyer is going to join us live, and he'll talk about his new gig with Fox, and uh, you know he's teaching too, and uh, you know he probably knows he's going to get asked if he's ever going to coach again because everybody asks him that. But he will join us tomorrow, and we're working on. Uh, I think we're going to start tomorrow with our high school previews, too, for football um, as teams are practicing right now, getting ready. Um, is Austin going to call you back? Was that him before? Okay. Oh. Okay. Boy. Well, yeah, boy. I hope this works. If not, we'll move on. But uh, we are expecting um, Austin Gale today. In the meantime, some other things we can talk about later on in the show. Um, when you think of college football and you think of icons for the sport, what do you think of? 
We'll get into that, too. But we're going to bring in Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst Austin Gale to talk to us about a lot of things NFL. Austin, this is Steve Russell. It's good to have you. Welcome in. Thank you for having me. Austin, let's start, uh, obviously, with the three state teams here. Um, Jacksonville, to me, uh, Austin, is an enigma. You know, is this the team that was so successful two years ago? Is this the team that imploded last year? Or, in your view, is this somewhere in the middle? Where is this Jacksonville franchise now? You know, that's a great question. I think this defense is more than capable of returning to their 2017 form, especially what they have along the pass rush. If they can get Yannick Ngakwe locked into a contract and playing this season, you have him paired with Josh Allen on the opposite end who earned the highest pass rush grade of any edge defender in the FBS this past season with Kentucky. You add him with Yannick Ngakwe, kick Clayus Campbell, their highest graded player last year, inside. Pass rush instantly becomes one of the best in the NFL. Then in the secondary, I think you see a bounce-back year from Jalen Ramsey. I think you see A.J. Boye continue to be one of the dominant corners in the NFL. And this defense, you know, with Miles Jack, can be one of the best defenses in the NFL, like they were in 2017. The real question marks are on the offensive side of the ball. Their receiving core lacks talent. Their quarterback lacks high-end talent. He's a very volatile player. You look at Nick Foles and what he did in Philadelphia. He has some of their highest-graded games in the, in the PFF era, and that dates back to 2006. And he also has some of the lowest graded games in the PFF era dating back to 2006. So he's a very volatile player. Expect high highs and low lows from him. If he can become a game manager, lean on the running game and keep this low scoring game and the defense playing their way, you could see the Jacks surprise people. But there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll see where they end up. With Tampa, I mean, certainly a lot of offensive talent. I, I loved O.J. Howard in college. He's proven to be a very good pro. Evans, a very solid receiver. But, you know, Jameis Winston kind of up and down. Again, I'll ask the same question. Where do you see Tampa? I, I like Tampa more than I like Jacksonville, largely because they're going to put up a ton of points on the offensive side of the ball. I think Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, or and O.J. Howard, I'm glad you spoke to him as well, is just too much firepower, specifically in the passing game, for them not to put up a ton of points. I think Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians is a perfect marriage. It's going to be a high-flying offense with a high average depth of target. They're pushing the ball downfield to very capable pass catchers. We love Chris Godwin coming out of college. We really like where Mike Evans is right now. I think there's just so much talent on the offensive side of the ball that they can be in any game. Opposite to Jacksonville, the question marks or the concerns are on the defensive side of the ball. The pass rush is lackluster. Not a lot of talent there. The secondary is all potential at this point, full of younger players. Sean Murphy Bunting, a guy we liked out of college, but rookie corners really have a low ceiling in their debut NFL seasons. If you look at their statistics historically, it's rare you see a Jalen Ramsey or Marshawn Lattimore come out as rookies and play very well. I think you that secondary and that pass rush is going to leave a lot of points on the board or give up a lot of points. But because the offense has so much firepower with that Bruce Arians, James Winston, Mike Evans combination, I think they can compete with high-scoring teams in the NFL. Is Miami in full rebuild mode? I would say 100%. The only reason, the only reason you're kind of you know, scratching your head about that question or if you would scratch your head about that question is – them being all in on Ryan Fitzpatrick. You see reports out of camp, they want to start him, he's you know, an arm and a leg better than Josh Rosen or whatever the reports was. 
My take, if you are in full rebuild mode as Miami, you need to figure out if the, you know, the pick you traded for Josh Rosen is worth it. Is he the QB of the future? I would play him early doors so that way you're not finding out that, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a slightly above average starter sometimes and a train wreck other times. You don't need to know that. We don't need to find that out about the Harvard grad that's been in the league for 20 plus years or whatever it may be. What you need to find out in Miami is, is Josh Rosen good? Is he the quarterback of the future? And playing Ryan Patrick maybe gets you more wins this season, but playing Josh Rosen answers more questions. And Miami needs to answer questions, not win games, because this is in the playoff team. You see a lot of guys, well, not a lot of guys, some big-name guys holding out. You know, Le'Veon Bell did it last year. Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, now there are reports. Maybe he is he asked to be traded. Do you think, you know, and these guys, some of these guys are coming off they're rookie deals, and they want to get their contracts renegotiated. We just saw that with Thomas of the Saints. Do you think this is going to be isolated, Austin, or do you think there'll be more of this coming down the road? Oh, I think there's more of it coming down the road, and specifically at the running back position. You see it with Le'Veon Bell last year. Melvin Gordon is Ezekiel Elliott this year. You're going to continue to see this for as long as running backs and their value continues to trend down while their market value continues to trend up. When you see guys like David Johnson and Todd Gurley sign these mega deals, it makes it that much harder for running backs nowadays to get new contracts because no team really wants to pay that kind of money given where we see where running back value is today. Rushing production is largely replaceable because it's dependent on the fa- other factors like run blocking, box count, you know, personnel usage, all these other things. And I think with the other positions, pass rusher, I don't know if that trend continues. I think they're getting paid at the right price in terms of value. And when you look at you know a guy like Michael Thomas, he got paid, I think, at market value. The Trent Williams holdout is interesting, largely because it's, yes, somewhat contract-related, but also you have the reports about him not liking the medical staff, not agreeing with what they did or how they handled things. So I think that's a separate issue. I think the one that carries over until a change is made in the CBA is the running back issue. I think you're going to continue to see running backs hold out looking for more money that just isn't there. You saw those reports with Melvin Gordon. Chargers said $10 million a year. They suck at that offer, and now he's requesting a trade. I don't, I don't disagree with the Chargers there. You shouldn't be paying Melvin Gordon ten, you know, over $10 million a year when the position is so replaceable. Our guest here on Sports Scene Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst Austin Gale with some really good stuff here. One of the things I love to do, Austin, just as a fan – is take a look at some of the rookies in the league and go, which guys might make the most impact right away? What do you see there? Yeah, I I have to start first with, you know, our favorite player in this past year's draft, the guy that went number one overall, Kyler Murray. I really do think Kyler Murray, that marriage with Cliff Kingsbury and that offense is going to do very, very well. Early reports out of Cardinals camp is that Cliff Kingsbury is bringing the infamous 10 personnel usage that he ran at Texas Tech, that Mike Leach Leach runs at Washington State, he's bringing that to the desert. And I think Kyler Murray in that system with Larry Fitzgerald, with Christian Kirk in year two, with Andy Isabella, one of our favorite receivers, with Keyshawn Butler out of – or not Keyshawn Butler, Keyshawn Johnson out of Fresno State, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. There's so much weaponry there and that offense and that scheme where Kyler Murray could be in a situation where he plays at an elite level as a rookie. And I didn't even mention why he is a very big comeback player of the year candidate and David Johnson, him helping out Kyler Murray as well. I think that offense overall is vastly underrated. Yes, the offensive line is going to probably perform at below expectation, but there's so much firepower there and a great scheme to boot that I think Kyler Murray plays at a very high level as a rookie. Um, Some of the other guys intrigue me. 
And one, of, I'm a big Jets fan, and I did love the pick of Quinn and Williams. Does he make an immediate impact with the Jets? Oh, absolutely. We love Quinn and Williams as well. Here in the highest overall grade of any interior defensive lineman in the PFF college era, and that dates back wow. to 2014. He is a freak. The guy is everything you want. We saw in the year prior to kind of what was his breakout season in 2018 and 2017 on limited snaps, because if you play at Alabama, specifically defensive line, you're not playing a ton of snaps until late in your career because there's just always, it's just a, a farm of defensive linemen talent. But in 2017, you're going to be very high grade on a small sample size. We're like, okay, this guy could be a breakout candidate. And then in 2018, he explodes. We are 100% in on Quinton Williams. I think he's going to really change that defense for the better. And with that pairing with Leonard Williams, I think that Jets defense, that Jets pass rush, is a lot better this upcoming season. Last thing for you. Um, you know, a lot of times fans look at first-round draft choices, and rightfully so, because they can make an impact. But I'm a big believer, uh, Austin, that, you know, the, 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 the value guys you get, you know, fourth, fifth-round guys end up being contributors or starters can really make or break your football team. Who are a couple of guys in that realm that maybe are a bit underrated and that you think could make an impact? Yeah, I think that's a great question. First, I want to start with Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson, a Toledo product that we loved coming out of college. He graded at a very high level, is a great separator, perfect for today's NFL. You're seeing early highlights in training camp of him dusting some of the backup cornerbacks they have there in Pittsburgh. He is a very exciting option. And entering a situation where he should have a lot of opportunity. Outside of Juju Smith-Schuster, you have a veteran in Dante Moncrief who we've been waiting on his breakout year since he entered the NFL. And then you also have James Washington who didn't pan out in year one. There's a ton of opportunity for Deontay Johnson to emerge as a kind of a breakout star in Pittsburgh. And the second guy I wanted to bring up was Daryl Henderson in Los Angeles. You talk about Todd Gurley, the lingering reports about arthritis in the knee, degenerative knee issue. I think him at the backup running, running back spot could really make an impact if Todd Gurley does have to kind of take a back, not a backup role, but less than a bell cow role in Los Angeles. I think you insert Daryl Henderson, who is a big play threat, had some of the most explosive runs we've seen at Memphis there this past season. I think Daryl Henderson is another candidate to be a breakout who still landed in that day two, day three range in the draft. Austin, where can people see your work? Oh, go ahead and go to pff.com. I think that's the best way to go. We got all our grades, advanced stats, a ton of articles coming out. And Football is being played today, so we're t- a lot of excitement here at the PFF office. You betcha. Austin, appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Does a good job. Austin Gale knows pro football focus really knows their stuff. They're, they're, they're analysts and people there are on it. They do a great job. Twelve seventeen. time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry. We hope to have Gator great Nat Moore with us next. Stay with us on Sports Inc.